are we? Um, well, we're the Screaming Divas, but is that our new theme song? Oh no. Hello, everybody. We are the Screaming Divas. Yes, and we've been friends for a very long time. So that just happened on the fly, people. Hello. How Who did we interview today? A very, very special woman who we are both good friends with. We love and, who, and you are there in Seattle with her right now. Yes, she is the general director of Seattle Opera. They are doing Bohem, La Bohème. It's their first full production on stage. She's allowed to have full audiences. And this is exciting stuff, people. And I am so, so grateful to be here. So opera is back. Opera is back in North America. Yay. We had to talk to Christina because this woman, I mean, fascinating. So her incredible career, the story of it is just magnificent. You know what? She, she, for me, Christina has been a mentor, a friend, and she's so knowledgeable. She's been in this business since she's 22 years old and she's not 22 now. We're just going to say that. I love her. (laughs) And, but she really, the knowledge that she has acquired and and she's given to other singers and the programs that she has initiated for composers for librettists at different opera companies it's just incredible her insight and how she looks at opera is so different than a lot of the other directors and managers of opera houses so i mean she started in artist management started as artistic administrator general director one of the very few females in the united states that has run companies with 10 million plus budgets this is a woman that has had an incredible career and somebody who's paved the path for women to be in a male-dominated business whether she was even aware of that or not so um eye on the prize always her her goals just to to do the best she could do and to look forward never back or sideways and great advice for career advice for singers out there too so much great advice in this interview seriously people pay attention to this and also you know we're talking about covid and seattle opera and how this is all possible to get people back in the theaters again and that it's safe and get vaccinated wear your mask we can have live music let's do it people there you go enough said watch the clip and buy tickets to hear this one here, Sing Me Me. And if you can't get to Seattle, please just buy a ticket to your local opera company and support all the singers and artists out there. Absolutely. Stay safe, everybody. Get the job. We love ya. Bye. 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 I also often say to young singers, don't look left and right. You're wasting time. You look left, left and right. <laughs> and true. you're wasting your time true. comparing yourself with others being jealous being whatever just look straight ahead and with an open mind i also don't like blinders but (laughs) look 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 at the road ahead of you and and do the best you can no matter at what level you are christina Oh, guten Tag, Herr Schimmermann. Yeah, guten Tag. <laughs> I've already started drinking, so, you know, happy Thanksgiving. I am having pumpkin cider because today is Canadian Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving, people. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Why, thank you. Did you get a haircut? No, I just, I have a bad hair day. <laughs> it looks good. I was going to say it looks good, actually. Yeah. Yes. I cannot find my hairbrush, so you're going to have to deal with this. Um, It's okay. General Manager, Seattle Opera, looking for a hairbrush. (laughs) You know we're keeping this in the interview, Christine. (laughs) I'm going to stop from doing what I would like to. Oh, want to laugh, by the way? Wait, wait, wait. I think he... I think Michael Kieldy took that picture when we did the Met auditions. That was 1995, Marilla Program. I have all the Marilla Program cards. Nicole Foland. You know what? People don't know this about you, but you have a very good memory and you have a very good database. I really do not, people do not ever cross Christina Shepard. Really, Betsy Bishop. No way. Oh my gosh. 
Look at that. Can you hold up Michael Chioldi's again? Because that's hysterical. No, it's even better. Wait. Oh, no. <gasps> They're never, ever going to talk to us again, Carrie. Never. Joyce oh, or I'm, Michael Chioldi. Michael will push me off the stage in act three. <gasps> no oh, way. Oh, he really looks like Mr. Bean there. He looks the same. Did you just call him Mr. Bean? <laughs> he kind of looks like Mr. Bean there. <laughs> and Rolando's never going to come on the show either. There never going to come on screen media as well. I know. How are you? Frau I'm Schoen. good, thank you. Now, you don't have one of me now, do you? You were not in Maryland. I know, thank God. Why? I mean, you're you're scaring me a little bit. Is this a little bit of hoarder action? Like, why do you still have these? Because we had those cards made for the Marolini, and for a few years, not the whole time I was there, but um, um, and I kept them because I thought, oh, you know, they, they were they were great because we had like twenty Marolini. You cannot remember all the names, so it was great to have them. I go, oh, okay, this is who that is, and. Um, was another great Canadian. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And so I kept them because I thought someday, I mean, at some point I kept them just to keep them. And then several years later, I found them and I thought, well, ooh, let's keep them. <laughs> ooh, that's kind of like blackmail stuff. A little bit. Oh. <gasps> Look at her. I remember when she looked like that because she was came to Washington National Opera to sing Elia. And she looked like that. I did with her and she was Zernina. That's how old I am, Carrie. Yeah, she was, she did, the first thing she did internationally outside of St. Petersburg was Rusa and Ludmila in San Francisco. Right. And then after that, she did Susanna, uh, Gilda. Uh, she did several things in San War Francisco. And Peace? Did she do War and Peace out there too? Uh, no, no, that was the year, that was the year before. The first thing oh. was Rusa and Ludmila. And um, anyway, no, and she did several things in San Francisco. And one summer she did the Marilla program. Okay, yeah. listen, you, your, and I'm not just saying this because I love you, but your career, your life is just so incredibly incredible and fascinating. And I really, we only have so much time. So I want to tell everybody to go hear the conversations that you did. They're on Facebook, Seattle Opera. I'll put a link down below. You did conversations with Jonathan Dean, your dramaturg here at Seattle Opera, that are wonderful. And if you want to oh, know about you. Christina and her life and leading up to where she is now with Seattle Opera, you, everyone needs to go check this out. It's just really quite, quite, quite amazing. Thank you. But That's very nice of you. One of the things that you didn't talk about was, which I really feel like people need to still know this, is that at Washington National Opera, you were pivotal and the starter, I guess, of the Washington National Opera's initiative that helps with composers and librettists. And it is still going strong and just is in its ninth season. And I just find that wonderful. Is it something that you want to start here in Seattle or are there other programs in this brilliant brain of yours that you're coming uh, with to start here in Seattle? I was so sure if it's that brilliant, but thanks for saying this, I'll take it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's called in, in Washington was called the American Opera Initiative um, because I, out of conversations with some composers, among them uh, Jake Hagee and Kevin Putz and, and also Tobias Picker, <clears throat> um, what was clear to me as I asked them questions that at the conservatory or any music school uh, where composers learn they never learn about the voice. I mean, the, the, the voice teachers are panicked to, to mix them up with modern composers thinking that the voices are gonna be destroyed. And the composers obviously have a lot to focus on. I mean, there's, there's a lot to learn. The, the, if you want to compose for orchestra, you need to understand the instruments of the orchestra. The, it's, it's complex. But in my opinion, the most complex instrument is the voice because uh, of course, it depends on the player, but a trumpet is always a trumpet, a clarinet is a clarinet. But a soprano is not a soprano. A tenor doesn't equal another tenor. Right. And you have so many differences within the voice categories, which sometimes I believe 
has led to composers to write things that are really unsingable. And then you come to this conclusion, oh, singers today don't like to sing modern music. That's not true. Mm-hmm. I do think that the composers and the singers need to collaborate so that each one can realize the vision, the, the composer, his musical vision, and the singer can actually sing that music and give their artistic interpretation to that music and those words. But it means you have to bring you have to bring them together. Otherwise, there's a there's a cultural clash <laughs> between them. And that was really the initial idea behind it. And um, the same, I will not the same, but similar with librettists, you know, a story shouldn't be static. Uh, you Not every word can be sung by every voice the same way, a certain speed. Mm-hmm. It's a collaboration between librettists and composer also. And to understand all of this, I think you have to start early. It has to be part of the formative years. And not just say when a composer is 50 and a librettist, now please write me the next masterpiece. It, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So that was what we was my initial idea for the American Opera Initiative. And I'm happy that it, it was successful the very first year. I mean, the Mellon Foundation gave us some support right off the bat. And then after we performed the first three um, uh, um, first uh, 20 minute pieces um, we got another support for over the next three years the subsequent years and and I think it's fantastic we're glad about this we started here in in Seattle something called creation lab okay. which is similar but not the same and also because out here in the Pacific Northwest you're not as close to mm. the opportunities in the east I mean the in the east on the East Coast and the Eastern Northeast, you have more possibilities within a certain range, geographical range. Here, uh, there are only so many opera companies at a certain distance, there are only so many opportunities. And I said, you know what, I'm going to limit it to Washington State to give mm. Washington State librettists and composers an opportunity. And Why not uh, include conductors in that too? Because I find a lot of young conductors especially opera conductors, don't understand the singing voice. Just saying. Yeah, I think more than anything, it's the breathing they don't understand. Um, But I think, I mean, you make an excellent point, and I think you are right, but uh, let's go in small steps and start with what we have at hand. But I I do believe you're absolutely right. I think having uh, conductors involved um, or even an assistant, a young assistant conductor, or yeah. whatever there might be, is a very good idea. Um, and here, what I also was looking for is try to find different stories, uh, diverse applicants, which we got. I mean, as far as diversity, as far as um, um, BIPOC applicants, also. I mean, but I think they're they're very um, very beautiful. I dare to call them fairy tales, and, and mm-hmm. I hope nobody takes offense if I call it that way, because I'm sure that the um, uh, the, the indigenous um, Washingtonian tribes here would like to call it something else, because they're very essential stories to them, but they're just beautiful, and I would love to tell some of those stories also to music and, and text, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what we get. We had a wonderful and very interesting first round. We started last year. Right. Um, the second round is now um, basically in its selection process as far as selecting composers and librettists. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what we get. But I do think we have to train the composers and librettists of the future. Otherwise, yeah. we will be museum. We will just repeat the same old, same old, same old, which is gorgeous too. And I don't want to be without that. I, I want to keep uh, the pieces that I personally love very much. I think they, sh- they, they are popular and uh, for good reason, but we need to add. I mean, like Mozart and DePonte, you know, you can start building these relationships and yes. maybe a composer can find a librettist that they really work well together yeah. and have this collaborative uh, union. And I think that's, it's a great idea. I mean, 
I, sign me up. I'll come and sing for them and show them what, you know, certain voices can't do. Just because you can sing a high C doesn't mean that every note has to be a high oh, right. C as a soprano. Or that you can jump around with really ridiculous, um, in, a, in a ridiculous speed and with huge kind of octave jumps go from here to there. And then also the words. I mean, you even if you sing bel canto, not every word is necessarily understandable, but you have to give the chance to articulate the words to some extent. Yeah, thank you. And, and to sing the notes and to, to express. And I think that comes in many shapes and, and, and musical colors and, and melodies. You can be atonal, serial, whatever you want and, and really modern, you can mix styles. I mean, ultimately to me, opera comes down to telling a story, any story Absolutely. to music and singing. So that leaves yeah. an immense amount of freedom. Yeah, what you yeah. really great. Okay, I can feel your eyeball roll about to happen when I ask you, or when I start this comment, because you and I've talked about this privately a little bit. Uh -oh. But um, there is something very important about this, and there's a question at the end. So first, I want to say, in what I have learned about you, is that being in a very male-dominated field of being general directors and artistic directors. Hold on, Hold on a Let second. Let her finish. Let me finish. You and Francesca Zambello are the only two women in the United States that have run 10 million plus dollar companies. So whether I, and I hate the fact that we're even having a conversation about women in positions because it really shouldn't be a part of our vernacular anymore. But in saying that, you, both of you have built your career in this business being the only females to have reached this height. And what you have done is paved the way for generations behind you for it to be a normal for women to be in these positions of power. So my question to you is, is there any advice that you would give to the generations behind you, no matter what the gender is in, in what you've done and what you've accomplished? Uh, look, first of all, I think that I never thought about the fact that I'm, you know, this, this rare element in a male dominated world. I honestly, some will say that, uh, that I'm not being truthful about this, but I honestly never thought about this. I love what I do. What I'm doing is what I wanted to do since I left the bank, actually, since I left high school, it's the, this is what I had in mind, which was my, my dream, if you so want, you need dreams in order to achieve anything. So, and sometimes you get to your dream and sometimes you don't, but you know, right. you have to have somewhere a goal. And I love what I do. I never thought really about that I have mainly male colleagues around me. It's, I, I try to do my jobs as good as possible. And that's all that mattered to me because what I also often say to young singers, don't look left and right. You're wasting time. You look left, left and right. <laughs> and true. you're wasting your time true. comparing yourself with others, being jealous, being whatever. Just look straight ahead and with an open mind. I also don't like blinders, but <laughs> look, look, look at the road ahead of you and, and do the best you can, no matter at what level you are. I never worked harder because somebody paid me more. I worked as hard and as many seven days a week uh, when I was working in Milan for $750 a month <laughs> than when I was in, in positions, yeah, and, and 400 went for rent and then the rest, you know. But I, it, you know, you, you, you make it work. And also, and working hard is not about what, what I'm getting compensated with. I work hard because I love what I do. I like to do a good job. I like to be responsible in my job. <laughs> and okay. at all occasion and potentially you get rewarded for that. So I never, never looked around and looked at only male men around me. In Europe, you have a few more. I mean, also now in the yeah. US, I mean, you have Corey um, in, in Houston. She was before at San Jose Opera. Right. You right. have... Um, Deborah Sandler in Kansas City. 
Um, and we have yeah. Deborah Borda at the, the New York Phil. New York Phil. New York, New York Phil. No, so, so I mean, we have a few. Um, yeah. No, but just no, go away. Just have a thick skin because there is something else. You're not going to have people stroke your, uh, stroke your head and go, oh, you'll be fine. I'll help you. Let me. You're going to also have to be somewhat strong and determined and, mm -hmm. and not let things rock your boat too easily. I mean, it's, I did not just have it easy. I, I, whatever I have, I earned myself. My parents never gave me a cent. I left home, like, fine, bye-bye. Now figure it out on your own. And it's yeah. true. Right. I just see what happened. And I think you need to have strength, determination, and also develop a thick skin because absolutely for singers too I, it's, it's anybody in our business right. stage directors conductors you have to have a thick skin because we are constantly in the public eye and we are constantly critiqued and criticized and i think it doesn't mean but it though sorry carrie it, does, it doesn't mean that you have to be ruthless no or unpleasant no. or rude or walk over over anything and anybody because I also think we have a big responsibility for the company, for the, the donors whose money we're spending towards the artists that we're trying to hire to do your best. I mean, I also feel it's my responsibility to support the artists so that they can do their best and not be in their way and not being, um, you know, anyway, making it harder. So, I mean, you still have to be a mensch. You have to be a responsible professional. You have to have... I think a little bit of righteousness in you because sometimes you have to make unpleasant decisions yes. but you make them because you feel it is the right decision, not because you're trying to annoy somebody, but you, you, you weigh all the options, your responsibilities, and then you make a decision. It's not always going to please everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, you have to be a mentor too. And you, you've been a mentor to so many young singers, myself included, uh, although we're very close in age, but you know, no, but um, no, she, you've been a sounding board. You have been. No, you've but you can be, you have been a sounding board to so many of us where we yes. can walk in your office and close the door and talk freely and openly. Yes. And I'm, we I'm both respect that. that. I'm hoping to do that before we leave Seattle. I need to come in there, Christina. Hello. <laughs> oh dear. Well, um, thanks for saying this because I I mean, I know I cannot please everybody. And and also um, you know, I I'm, I'm social, I think I'm open. I love people. You cannot be in this business, I think, if you don't like people. I like people, doesn't mean I can be friends with everybody. It doesn't right. mean I want to be friends with everybody. But I like people and I respect people. And um, I'm, I'm happy to also to, to, to go and have a beer or have a chat that doesn't automatically translate that I can hire everybody all the time. Right. Just because I'm nice and social doesn't mean there is more to it. I, I still am responsible to my job and that's what I try to put Thank first. You. But I think, I wanna say this, you've heard a lot of singers, you've been around a lot of people and there's a wealth of information in there that when someone like Sandra and I walk into your office to bounce some ideas off, it's because of that. It's not because you, well, I mean, at least for Sandra and I aren't walking in there going, why aren't you hiring me? It's walking in there saying, how do I get from here to here to here? Because or you, what, what do you hear me repertoire wise? You are one of the few, I trust your ears, ears and you are one of the few in this business that I can say, all right, help. what should I do next? What's the next step? And it, so it's kind of like a career counselor in a way too running an opera house am i wrong well a little bit yes i think it is i think it's good if you're capable of being career counselor because it's it's we, mm -hmm. we're we're supposed to be in my position um i'm supposed to judge voices because i'm supposed to hire them for the right role possibly so if i can give some decent advice i'm happy to give it i might be wrong on occasion as much as also you might be wrong saying to me, oh, you think, I, I think I'd like to sing this. And I might look at you and panic and go, are you crazy? And I will say it. Right. And we may, and we may disagree and you will still go ahead and, and I don't know, sing, you know, Donnerstag aus Licht tomorrow. And maybe that thought that was not the best idea for you. But yeah, 
but I think that also is a matter of respect and professionalism to be able to bounce those ideas off of each other. And Absolutely. on occasion, we we might disagree, but at least those ideas were bounced around in the room and were considered and thought about because that's, I think, what critical thinking is also is in general. It's just totally. putting something out yeah. and discuss it, evaluate it, and then come to a conclusion. And at the end, it's your decision. I mean, well, and I think people in this business, the young singers really, in my opinion, need to take more time to think about the steps that they take and not just say yes to everything, but really truly have someone like you, whom Carrie and I have bounced off many ideas, to really say, is this the right career tra trajectory? Am I making a mistake in your opinion? And you know, sometimes singers can prove you wrong too. Like I've had young singers ask me things and you know what I say, mm, I don't think you're ready for that role. And they went out and did it and God bless them. They knocked it out of the ballpark. So yeah. no, I mean, it's good to be proven wrong also. None of us is neither always right nor always wrong. I mean, right. but we have opinions. And I think that's also what, what professional respect or friends also are for that yeah, you sure. discuss things. I mean, you can do it professionally without being friends and with respectfully discuss things and agree to disagree. And, and I think friends are there especially for that to, you know, have wild discussions and disagreements that then lead you somehow in, in, a, in a friendly and friendship support to the right decision for you. And I, but at least the discussions were had. And I think that's what I'm trying to tell young singers is really think about things before you're going for that next big step in your career. Really talk with the people whom you trust and who you've had a relationship with or reach out to singers who are in that repertoire and say, hey, you know, listen, can I sing for you? What do you think of this idea? And I think that's so important um, for young singers. So. Um, especially trust the right people, you know, don't ask your parents or your spouse or your other partner, because they're always going to say you're great and wonderful. You want to ask the not person. True. Not true. FYI. <laughs> uh, well, then that maybe you should have a conversation with that person. But um, I, I think what you want is ask the person who will contradict you, who will not just say yes, Absolutely. yes, yes. But the person who will contradict you because they have the, your best interest at heart, or they will contradict you because they simply know better, because they're your coach or your vocal teacher or your, your, the conductor you work with that you, and you enjoy and like his or her opinion. Right. Find those people who will be honest with you because only that will move you forward. Honesty, yeah. Honest and honest sounding board is what I call it. Surround your yeah. people with that. Oh, wait, wait. First, I just want to say, FYI, I want to clarify this. And A, I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but to me, it means a lot what you've accomplished. And thank you for paving the path for women in this business. And second, yes, I think I misspoke. Francesca is the artistic director, not the general director you are have been general director of many companies so i just wanted to fix wow. that comment anyway okay if, moving on so surviving the pandemic seattle opera really did a lot of online content and how what was the response from your patrons and subscribers about all of that were they were they really eating it up or was it something new that they had to get used to well, first of all, I'm very grateful that that the board of Seattle Opera didn't think I was completely insane to say uh, we will not stop producing. We will not just stop and wait things out because what you know, waiting for as waiting for Godot. I mean, we didn't really know where to go with that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I said early on with when we had to stop, I said we will not stop doing things. And then last summer, a year ago, we did the Songs of Summer recitals where singers were recording in their homes, little recitals, um, and they received a fee for that as well as the pianist. And then I went ahead to say, we will, we will produce the titles of the season that we announced. Of course, Cavalleria Pagliacci can, you know, we did highlights of it. Uh, Greg Kunde came here with Lexilo Bianco here. And we did on our stage with a pretty backdrop and a piano, 
we filmed a few excerpts, a few arias, a few duets, and that was it. That's, you know, was, it was excerpts of Cavalleria Pagliacci, but we gave something from those two titles to our subscribers and our audiences. Then we did um, Elixir, which we also filmed on stage without orchestra, without chorus, just with a little bit of scenery, costumes, um, props that never were touched by two different people because we can cut the camera, hand a fresh sanitized prop so that we, we had extremely strict health and safety protocols and, uh, and we filmed Elixir. It turned out to be a really cute, charming Elixir with excellent singers and beautifully directed by David Gately who bought into the project. And then we actually pivoted to pure uh, movie making, basically. We filmed Don Giovanni in our building in our assembly space in the assembly area and filmed Don Giovanni without chorus, and uh, we initially were supposed to do it with uh, orchestra, record orchestra in the concert hall, and then sync it with the action, first record the sync with the action. We had one singer actually test positive, uh, which I think, you know, afterwards this person tested four times and tested negative. Mm. At the time, the right reaction was to stop everything, quarantine, including myself. Mm. Um, and then we, after 10 days, we picked up the operation and finished the Don Giovanni um, because I also said uh, to the staff and to the board, I said, there's too much already invested in it. If we cancel it now, we lose more than we're putting into by keeping the people here and pay uh, the hotel and, and something extra to, to finish it. Luckily, we could keep everybody here. We finished the Giovanni, and then we did uh, flight at the Museum of Flight, which mm -hmm. was so cool. Super cool. And I'm so proud that even Jonathan Duff and his librettist enjoyed uh, the result. And then we did Tosca at St. James Cathedral. Mm -hmm. filmed there. And on those two, we did indeed what we had set out to do. We recorded singing and orchestra uh, at Benaraya Hall. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, filmed the action to the music. I mean, mm -hmm. the music was played and then you, you had to lip sync, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was synchronized in post-production. And I'm very happy with those results. And, and I am very proud that everybody involved made this possible. And I mean, both, all three are excellent movies, uh, opera movies, which... I think are worth seeing, and I hope that in the future I can make them accessible. Um, in are the they available? Are they available to the public not, yet? Not right now. They were available to our subscribers, and then pay-per-view last season, because of course we couldn't have audience, we couldn't buy tickets, so we had arranged with the unions to have a pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. All proceeds from pay-per-view were paid through to the unions. We didn't keep anything as the company, so they went to some you know, uh, to an ACMA fund. Uh, and anyway, we had we had arranged for the unions to pay it through to them and we gave them all the accounting and all the numbers, which also proves that there wasn't really that much money in it. Mm -hmm. But uh, they they saw exactly, we paid it through. And, um, and I know that our subscribers and those who saw it were very complimentary and, and uh, enjoyed it. And I'm just proud that everybody learned and jumped onto it and went ahead because I, I I mean when I first said it I know it sounded difficult to many and uh, probably I was probably a little optimistic that we could pivot that quickly but we did and everybody did and even some of our crew members said to me you know we learned something uh, different we learned a different skill we produced something different and then at the end of the summer we did our very first event in front of audience was a shortened Valkyrie mm -hmm. on Seattle Center grounds. We had 2,000, nearly 2,300 paying audience members and then outside the fenced area where we, inside the fenced area you paid, and but you could be outside the fenced area on Seattle Center grounds and still hear it. Love we had it. a big screen so that people could see it also that were further away. So we had probably about 2,500 people watching that. And that was our first public event. Yay. 
Are you and doing with the Boheme now that carries in, in Chicago with the Macbeth, because the theater, the, the Lyric Opera, required everyone to be 100% vaccinated to get in the theater. So what we did for the people who didn't feel comfortable, the patrons or people who bought tickets, who didn't feel comfortable coming into the theater or couldn't, yeah. we filmed two performances and made that available to people who bought a full price ticket for a limited time. So I think they have two more weeks now that they can watch because we just had our last Macbeth. Are you doing something like that for the La Boheme? The intention is here similar, though we would only make it available to subscribers, those who bought uh, a subscription. Um, we are we're still finalizing uh, the conversations with the unions uh, so that we can do that. Um, and we would, after the reboot, record one performance with three cameras. Um, if there's any, you know, major musical mishap, we could we could edit it a little bit. But the idea is to maintain the live feeling of a performance, and then after the run, make it available with an access code to subscribers who don't want to come in and yeah. ask for the access code, and we will make it available over um, about seven days. So within those seven days, they would have to nice. go in. But you're only doing that yeah, with one cast. But you're only doing that with one cast, correct? Because the other cast is doing the radio broadcast. Right. There's one radio broadcast with King FM, which is the local classical uh, radio station. And for years, there was live radio broadcast. So one cast would have the radio broadcast, and the other cast would be recorded for that streaming. Perfect. That's great. So we can look for Carrie in the radio broadcast, correct? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can For do. those of you, you who want listen. to hear Carrie. This morning, this Saturday morning, the day of the opening of Boheme, you could also tune in at 10 a.m. Pacific time to King FM and listen to the Valkyrie from August 28th. So it's a great cast. I mean, Angela Mead, Lexilov Bianco, Brandon Jovanovic, Eric Oth, Raya Cheto, and uh, Ludovic Marlowe was conducting and did a wonderful wow. job. It was his first Valkyrie he conducted, and That's the orchestra played beautifully for him. It was, it was, I, I personally, I had a great time. It was such a great feeling to actually do that. I love that. So talk to us, though, about, because in conversations we've had with other general uh, managers before we've been able to open up this fall, the concern was ticket sales because... We weren't sure, they're not sure how many people are actually going to come into the theater. Is that something that's now an issue for you or a concern? A concern. It's just the reality. People are not coming back at the same rate. They just will not. It's, there's okay. no magic to it. It's just, I mean, and also a lot of the decisions that we had to make um, were decisions that we made in December, January. Right. So at that time, the crystal ball was massively foggy. Um, because I mean, you cannot decide in the summer, oh, I think next season we'll do this, we'll do this, that, and the other thing. You still need the lead time that you typically have of, of several months. So we made decisions um, when we really didn't know much. Uh, I tried to add a minimum of optimism to it, but I was trying to be um, realistic also because I wanted the events to happen. So, I mean, we're doing Bohème, with a reduced orchestra without the children's chorus. Mm -hmm. We do an Orchion Eurydice group in, in our small um, chamber music space. You know, uh, three soloists, uh, a few choristers that we have singing from a, not from the stage, they're not on the stage, they will be singing off stage basically, and very small orchestra. So that sounded like possible. And then Blue, which doesn't have chorus. Uh, and then not Silly Figaro, which is a small orchestra and very and small chorus. So we made assumptions saying, let's just try to be careful and hope for the best. I mean, I wasn't, and also for financial reasons, not just for, for sure. COVID practical reasons, right. but uh, it is very clear to anybody that people are not going to be running back because some are a little reluctant, which... I respect. Um, yeah. I personally, I've I went a year ago in September 
October, I went to Europe, I went to Germany, took the train to Italy, uh, long before the vaccine. Um, I, I don't feel I'm more adventurous or reckless than others because I left negative, I came back negative. Mm -hmm. You mask, you have to keep your distance, you, you are right. careful. I, but I completely understand those who are not comfortable. I just would like to ask everybody to get vaccinated. No, yes. me too. I, I, I'd like to say this though, because being in Seattle and seeing the community here and how their response to mask wearing is unbelievable. I mean, everybody really just wants to be right. safe and careful. I went to a symphony concert. We had to show proof of vax and ID and not one person in there had their mask below their nose, pulled off their face. Great. I felt so comfortable in that setting mm -hmm that I really want to say this because we're going to air this soon, that any of those that are on the fence about coming that are vaccinated, please come because it, it you will feel safe. You will feel comfortable. Um, really the response, unlike where I live, where it's a war about masks and vaccinations, it's not here. There, there are people are wearing the mask, even walking down the street. So yeah, I, feel like get a lot. I feel like if there is a theater that's safe to go to, you are please come to Seattle Opera, buy a ticket and sit through any of the shows that are here. I, I just needed to say that because that's Thanks how I Thanks for felt. saying this, Carrie, and also to be very clear, I mean, I've been adamant about uh, the vaccine mandate. The entire, I mean, since August, actually, we, the entire staff has to be vaccinated. Chorus, every singer singing here, every soloist, orchestra, wardrobe, crew, everybody. And uh, I appreciate that I did not get pushback on that. And uh, those who are not vaccinated I will not play or sing here for the time being. Mm. And this is not to be um, unpleasant or mean. It's really out of concern for public health and for the health of everybody involved. Same goes for the audience. Um, in uh, About a month ago, there were eight theaters here in Seattle, we announced via press release that uh, we would all demand uh, proof of vaccination from our audiences and wearing a mask during the entire performance. Um, and, you know, during the intermission, they can go outside and get out some fresh air. Mm -hmm. And now also the, the county um, is asking for that for certain restaurants, for certain indoor places. And, um, you know, also traveling to Europe, frankly, it, it just becomes normal. You have a vaccination card. I mean, I, I arrived in the summer in Germany and you give your passport, you get your vaccination card. Uh, yeah. PCR test and you arrive. Yeah, and coming back, I had to have a PCR test for to get on the plane because they checked the PCR test. That's something I wish we could also do here for, for domestic flights to um, ask for a PCR test. I mean, now that also quick tests are more available uh, I, you know, it doesn't take much. It's a piece of paper. It's the result of your test as you board, as you check in. Yeah. Why don't you do it when you check in before you go to the gate? You check in, you get a rapid test, you go to the gate. Oh, I'm sorry. You're positive. You're not getting on the plane. I mean, it's it here in Canada when we had the, the hotel mandates, 95% of the cases were intra-Canada flights, the people that were oh having God. the COVID positivity, not the international flights, because the international flights, you had to get the, the PCR test, yeah. you know? So, so has this changed, has, has the pandemic changed how you do your job? And is that the hardest part of your job now? What is the difficult difficulties of your job these days? I don't know if it's the hardest, you know, it's just, uh, I'm not somebody who spends too much time to think about is it hard, is it not hard? Mm -hmm. it, I mean, you have to be somewhat pragmatic also in life. And I think this is what it is right now, so that's what we're doing. And um, time consuming, maybe that's a better question. Is it is it more time consuming now, thinking about the health regulations or you know, keeping your artists and orchestra safe. At hmm? this point, at this point, I feel it's routine already. It originally when we had to start creating all those protocols, when you had to talk every other day with the, uh, with the health officials of, of the city or the county or Seattle Center, 
you know, when everything was still in flux and we didn't know much about the COVID itself and the regulations changed every five seconds, that was somewhat exhausting. Sure. But, you know, we tried to go above and beyond and have the strictest possible protocols. Um, now, I think it is a little bit more routine. It's still time consuming uh, for our COVID monitors to, to check, um, to make sure that things are being followed, that uh, all the uh, vaccination, proof of vaccination uh, cards have been registered. Uh, they're not obviously public knowledge. I mean, I don't, I don't get to see vax cards and I shouldn't, but it is really um, confidentially handled by the two COVID monitors who register that. And, you know, as things change, they change. I mean, we will, um, today at the ZITS, those who sing without a mask will do a quick test. And then we, I, I decided to have a weekly test for, so we're gonna test tomorrow people so that for the dress rehearsal without mask and for the performance, the opening, we have, that would count as the weekly test for this week. And then we'll do another test next Wednesday. Um, the singers can go here to Curative, which is next door, then at their own, you know, at their own schedule. Um, and we'll do for the chorus and for the soloists that want to do it in-house, they can come here and do the test before the performance. Perfect. Uh, so we Thank have three tests, one tomorrow, one next Wednesday before the Wednesday performance next week, and then one for the October 27th performance also on Wednesday. And I think it's important to do that. You know, I, I really do for, for us as artists, we need to feel safe, absolutely. but also for the security of everyone around us because we are on stage, you know. Well, and it was also the, the one element that is not, that we cannot control, of course, the choruses that live here, live here. Some of them have children. Uh, and if the children are young, they cannot be vaccinated. So you don't, you also, because of that, you don't know where they are running around. I think everybody is being extremely responsible. I think because so. Because most of them, it's my feeling at least, also among the choruses, they want to sing. They're happy to be here. Mm -hmm. And it's also part of their livelihood. I mean, they earn money from it. Right. And if they don't come for a performance, they, they've lost enough last year. They've lost plenty. So I have all of you and all companies have lost basically. But, you know, choristers especially, um, it's, it's something that they want to do and it's part of their annual income. And so I think they're doing all, everybody is doing what they can to stay healthy and safe. And I trust them. I really, really do. So yeah, we, we had it in Chicago, I have to say. Everyone was just so excited to be back working that they would do anything and everything <laughs> to get back on stage. And the audiences, I have to say, we were sold out, basically, six shows. So I think they're going to come back, Christina. I really feel that once opening night happens and they see how safe and the protocols in, in place, I think you're going to have the floodgates open and people are just going to come rushing in. I hope you're right. We're doing relatively well. We have eight performances, which is a bit much, but we made that assumption that, that uh, we decided on eight because when we decided that, we thought that the state would impose a limit on, on how many tickets we could sell. They, we thought they would say, you know, 25%, 50%. Okay. And so in order to satisfy our subscribers, we did. We decided on eight performances, so that even with with an uh, occupancy cap, we could have accommodated the subscribers. I mean, that was really why we put eight. So magic ball, that magic eight ball. You couldn't shake it back then and say. Oh, no, I kept shaking around fog. And <laughs> All of us too. I mean, singers. You know, we just like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it yeah. going to happen? It... We're still there. So yeah, good for you. Okay, with your immense career, which again, go to Seattle Facebook and listen to those conversations. There was something about Oman that I read about being the first director general of the Royal Opera House of Muscat. Did I pronounce that correctly? So it's, and I just wanna read this. It's the first theater of its kind in the Persian Gulf region. 
And under your guidance, you established an excellent reputation as a cultural destination in Oman, and you opened doors for inter international musical and cultural relations. So, I mean, Christina, your entire career and then having just finished that before coming to Seattle, I mean, is there anything else left that you want to accomplish in your career? I mean, seriously, I feel like you could hang up your hat right now and be like, I did good people. No, yes, thank you. I no, that I still too much fun. I love what I do. And I really think I can still contribute something because I do have my concerns about the future of, of the art form, especially mm. coming out of this very heavy period of the pandemic. I mean, COVID yes. will stay with us. We will have to learn to live with it. Yes. And if we're all vaccinated, we can live with it much easier and more comfortably. But I think oh. that um, I, I, I do love what I do and I would like to be able to contribute a little bit to um, the longevity of opera, which I think is a fascinating art form. And uh, I think it can be meaningful also. I mean, there are many stories that can still be told. I think there are many stories that can be told also in various musical styles. I think we're a little stuck in a certain canon of, of writing opera. You can also write you know, with small orchestration. You can write with, with uh, for smaller cast, for bigger cast, for, yeah. for various choruses or no choruses and tell also uncom uncomfortable stories and, and difficult stories because that's what happened through a lot of the history of opera. We have a lot of pretty rough and you know, violent stories that we told to fantastic and exciting and riveting music. Yeah. And I do think that we should continue that. So for now, I still love what I do. Also, I'm not that old, excuse <laughs> me, although Sandra likes to make me older than I am. Um, well, you are older than me, but not that much, but you still are older than me. And you always will be, so. A little bit, but it also means I'm a little wiser than you. That's true. Ooh, oh, so I'm just going to cut that off and just say, I want to end this interview before our rapid fire with an amazing quote that you said in your TED talk in 2019. The topic was music and identity. And you said, and, wait, wait, and everybody. And, and yeah, sorry, Sandra. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yes. I'm going to put a link down below because y'all need to watch this. Yeah. It, it is brilliant. And, and I know Christina's head's just going like this because I never really compliment her much, but. Music is universal. To enrich your emotional universe, you should listen to all music. Life is short, the world is big. Don't just consume music, listen to it consciously. It enriches your thinking and your emotions. It is what makes us human to feel. Don't take it, music, for granted. Yes. How much do we love you for saying that? Yeah. Well, thank you, and I think it, thank you very much for reading that quote i i sound i sound intelligent there huh um one one of those also i think it has gained meaning given that we spent so many months without any music and is that what we want no i cannot imagine life without life music i don't want just canned music the that emotional excitement and thrill of live music, and it doesn't matter which type it is, it's, it's irreplaceable. And it's part of human history, of humankind. I mean, we always had some type of music, even in its beginnings, it was something that came from an emotional place. Right, and storytelling, that's how people told stories. So, okay, we know you're on a tight, tight schedule, so we, we would love to get a few rapid fires in, and. I would love to start with it because I know a little something about you. Oh, so I want to ask you rapid quickly, Vespa or Ducati? Vespa. Vespa, really? The 200cc, an old Vespa with the, with the gear shift in your left hand. Okay, thank you very much because we know that you like riding. So, Terry? Yeah. My, pres my present bike is a 900cc Triumph, so there. You're, you're just, yeah, amazing. Okay, kind of a cheesy question, but I'm what real. opera best describes you? Oh my God. 
wow, what do you think? Oh. I mean, I can tell you that if I were capable of singing, mm -hmm. I want to sing Eboli. Oh, she's amazing. That's a good question. Thank you for adding that to our arsenal. So you want you would want to be Eboli. You would be like, okay, right. okay. So we're gonna make this happen. You stand there, and I'll sing it from the wings, and then you mouth it, and then that'll make your dream come true. Well, I've been on stage with this this lady here. She, when I was in Washington National Opera doing Anna Bolena, she played Henry VIII's first wife. That's right. That's right. She did. Yeah, she, she came did. out and did a pantomime thing and and tormented me. Okay. I didn't then. torment you. You tormented me because when I came off the stage, she would either yeah. stick her blue painted tongue out because she was with the back to the audience, or she had a black tooth painted, and I had to keep a straight face, you know? Mm -hmm. I love it. You look great you know in those what? costumes, Christine. I remember that. You looked really great in those we costumes. We have to have fun. A little bit. Okay, what, what is a song that always gets stuck in your head? Oh, that's a good one. No idea because it's every week another one. Okay. And right now, the one is stuck in my head is so cheesy. I cannot, I cannot say it. You won't admit it. Come on, come on. No. We love cheese. No. <laughs> it's too embarrassing. Okay. So, you know, there's kind of like I tell you off camera, but not on camera. Okay. So what was the last thing you Googled? Wait, wait, wait. In my mind, it's like some kind of like flow rider song. I don't know. I, that makes me <laughs> Christina looks into flow rider. Well, I'll send that to you later, Christina, because then you'll think it's funny. Okay, go ahead. Oh, but to be honest, though, I sometimes have um, Billy Joel songs that get stuck in my head. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Not opera, as long as it's not opera, right? Last thing you. It's Google. hard to have opera get stuck because they're so beautiful, but long parts. I mean, you know, it's this. No, no, I'd rather listen to it in its entirety than have mm. one. Well, that's melody. my problem. When I'm learning a new role, I can never, ever stop at nighttime when I'm not going to sleep. It's like you start the opera, and once you start it, you have to push play and just go through the whole thing. You have to do finish the whole thing. It's so annoying. That happened last night. I was so annoyed. And then I ended up dreaming that, like, I forgot something, and then I was running, and it was a hot damn mess, people. Okay, go ahead. All right, go. I have that only when I when I think about sym symphonies get stuck in my head. I mean, especially Brahms symphonies. When I start one movement in my head, I have to go through the entire movement. Not the entire symphony, but the entire movement. Okay, Carrie. What's your favorite place on earth? Oof. Pretty much wherever I am. Yeah. Right now. I mean, I've, I've been in so many fantastic places. Whatever place I am right now, I mean, it's uh, your favorite. I, you, you have to enjoy where you are. You know, it's pointless to be, to be too uh, resentful that you're not there what you would like to be. I mean, right. here and now, I think it's a pretty good place to be. Last thing you Googled. Oh dear. Um, Karaoke. No. <laughs> I think no, no, good Lord, no. Yeah. Carrie, you, you just like make yourself, you think you're more important. I know, I'm like, karaoke, I mean, why wouldn't you Google? I don't remember. It was, uh, it was some article in, in El Pais. It was some article in, in, the, in the Spanish newspaper El Pais. Okay. What's well, a lie? Good. Okay, this is a really important question, Christina. What's a lie you recently told? Me? Why would she tell a lie? <laughs> Christina doesn't okay. lie. To me, the only emergency lies. Sandra, your Macbeth was amazing. <laughs> well, was actually you, know? you have really great chest notes sandra <laughs> i did not say that i know you didn't you should, I did. <laughs> oh my god this is hysterical okay, okay. <laughs> no, i think i made it I, I think i made a bogus excuse the other day i came a little late for something and um i blamed the traffic <laughs> but it was really i i left a little late and there was traffic, but it was, I should have left earlier. So, okay. No. So it was a little white lie. What single person most changed your life? What? What single person most changed your life? Duncan Lear. Lofty Mansouri. No. 
Beth Krinicky. Mm. No. <laughs> no, I love I Beth. But, but I think the person that, that allowed me to start in this business is Walter Belloc. Yes. Who, the agent who hired me when I was 22 years old and, you know, blue-eyed, and bushy-tailed, whatever. I mean, I... I spoke Spanish and I liked opera and you know, I started going to the opera when I was 16. So I had a certain level of knowledge and musical background. Um, but Walter took a big, um, not a risk, but he gave me an opportunity. He said, come, you know, just, I went down, I looked at it, I said, see if I could find for this, for this little salary that he paid me, if I could at least find a little hole in the wall I could live in. And then went back home and, and, and then he called me a week later, conveniently the day after my father passed away, mm. but called me and said, um, okay, just come whenever it's, whenever you want, just come ASAP. I love and so, so I remember I hearing you say that um, he gave you the opportunity to fail, but would have backed you in your failures. And I, I found that really fascinating. And I, pl I apply this also in general to, to people I work with. No, he, in it, I didn't speak Italian when I went to Italy. I spoke Spanish, mm -hmm. two words Italian or bad opera Italian. Um, you know, I may, it doesn't get you very far. Um, it's and, in every opera. Yeah. And, you, uh, I may. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, he, uh, Walter speaks German very well. And my colleague, um, at the time, also spoke German a little bit. So I somehow figured out a way to, and then I slowly learned uh, Italian. But Walter said to me once very clearly, I said, don't sit there and do nothing and tell me you haven't made a mistake. Mm -hmm. He said, do something. And if you screw things up, I'll back you. It'll be my fault and I will, I will back you up. And that's what I say often also to people I work with and were, or that are where I'm the boss to them. I, I will take the responsibility. I don't run around and say, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. I, I want, to, if something goes wrong, I want to know how it went wrong. So next time we can do it better. Right. But I don't typically point fingers and say, you, you screwed that up. It doesn't do anything. It makes a person feel bad. Nobody does things wrong on purpose. Right. And I want, you know, you want to you want to back people and and make sure that they continue doing the job and also take risks and do something. You know, and Walter tell has the singers. It's the same thing. You need to tell that to singers. Yep. Singers need to take risks sometimes. Yeah. They need to try try doing things on stage. I tell singers, you know, how they, they say to me, how did you learn? I took risks on stage. I wasn't afraid to crack on a note. And you know, you learn by taking those risks because yeah. if you don't perform your... and it makes your performance interesting. Yes, because if, if you're too safe, it's also like in sports. I mean, if you only play it safe, it doesn't make for an exciting game. Nope. And it's yeah. the, the energy and the, 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 the chemistry, the energy, the thrill that comes mm -hmm. out of a risk I mean, it's very different and you can say it's by far not as exciting, but I took risks because, I mean, some of my cousins and colleagues said, you're crazy to leave the bank to go to Milan. You don't know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. When I left um, Washington, D.C. to go to Oman, there were a lot of friends who said, what, are you crazy? Best time of my life. So you, you sometimes... Just go, you know, and I, I did do some horseback riding as a teenager several years. And in jumping, you always, they always tell you, throw your heart over the obstacle first and then follow. Oh, I love that. That's Beautiful. brilliant. So true. And that's sometimes the sentiment I think you also have to have when you take risk or when you make a difficult decision, you know, throw your heart over and then follow, go there. I love that. And I, I always liked that image. And by the way, in, in jumping, it's true. I never did high jumps. I only did enough jumping so that when you rode outside, you can take little obstacles. 
but even those can be scary sometimes. And it's a, it's a great image. It's like, you know, look at the other side and throw yourself over and then go. Brilliant. I think we should end with that. I, I think, think that that's too. a great sentiment to share with every musician, singers and, and people in life. Yeah. Lead with your heart, you know, people. So yeah. do it. We know you have a busy schedule today. Thank you for a little taking bit. time. Just a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. And I have Thanksgiving dinner to go and eat. And yeah. I got to go practice. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, do here. something Thanks. useful, Karen. I'm trying. Hello. <laughs> you have to sing. So. I know. I'm behaving. Trust me. I don't want to be behaving, but I am. I don't have to sing. I'm all done singing for a monthly month. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, actually. Isn't it? So what are you going to do? Learn sing to drive. I was going to say, you're still going to sing. All right. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Sure. We love you. Time, behave. Uh, Sandra, misbehave. Carrie, do your best and behave a little bit. A little bit. Car Just, Carrie's an amazing Mimi. And all of you out there who, who have not seen Carrie sing Mimi, get it today. She Go there. It's real deal. Yeah. Yay for Seattle um, Opera for doing it. Yay, thank Seattle you. Opera. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We love you. Bye-bye. 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 No, no, no. Oh, we're not going to. Sorry. No, sorry. I have um, a whole, whole thing. Listen, we only have you for so long. You only gave us, and now we only have 45 minutes. So. Yeah, we saw pictures point. of Okay, listen. She gets up and walks away, Carrie. <laughs> this is why I could not edit the other two attempts at trying to do this. Couple on. I know. Do I Shine need to switch the light on? Oh, oh that's much better.